Hello, welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about a lord and his daily, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Mister by E.L. James. Joining us to discuss this vanilla follow-up to Fifty Shades of Grey are Kitty and Piggy, the bitches in bitchesgetriches.com. They teach young folks how to manage their careers and finances, and mostly unrelated to that, they also really hate bad books. Hello, ladies. Hello. Thank you for having us, but also we're very sad. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's how it goes. Let me just introduce you separately so people can um, distinguish your voices. Uh, hello, sure. Kitty. Hi. Hi, Piggy. Hey. Uh, and also, if that wasn't clear, those are pseudonyms to protect them from uh, Albanian outlaws looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I assume. <laughs> Got you it assume in one. correctly. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you're not familiar with Bitches Get Riches, it's a great resource for, well, what I just said, for managing your careers and your finances. But also it's fun and funny and has good gifs. Thank you. Thank we you we work hard to yeah. get – we, we go through like maybe the top 10 aren't the right ones. We go all the way to 11. It's true. It it's shows. true. And and we really crowdsource our, our poop jokes about money. So, <laughs> um, And so, of course, we're relying heavily on their financial expertise to just really dig into the financial life of Lord Maxim Trevelyan, British name. Um, <laughs> I just think of him as the mister, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. So, yeah, we this has been a much requested book, The Mister. Of course, we have read Fifty Shades of Grey and Grey, which is the book from Christian's point of view. And here's the thing is we all agreed that Grey was much worse because it's all from Christian's point of view and Christian sucks. And this yeah. is from joint points of view of both Maxim, the titular Mister, and Alessia, who is the love interest slash daily slash maid slash victim of human trafficking. And it's mostly from Maxim's point of view. And Maxim sucks. And I hate reading what he has to say. And I hate reading what his dick has to say. And his dick <sighs> has so much to say. <gasps> oh, my God. This it's book. True. This I, I don't know what it was about this book. We have read plenty of bad books. We have read plenty of books that are much worse than this book. But I, um, are the are the two of you familiar with the uh, popular tabletop role playing game Dungeons and Dragons? I are am we? Senator. I am okay. So there's let the record show of- that they are. <laughs> um, so for those of you who aren't, there's an aspect of the game where someone can cast a spell on you that causes psychic damage instead of physical damage, <laughs> and it like lowers your hit points. And that is what this book has done to me. It has physically made you weak and vulnerable. <laughs> You're going to get yes. a cold now. I it just it has sucked the life out of me and I feel very angry about it and probably my cleric's dead so I'm stuck like this for the duration and it's terrible <laughs> and I hate it. I think I had the thought while reading this like, "Oh boy, I know Kate is exhausted with reading about like heterosexual like magic penis orgasm bullshit (laughs) something tells me that this novel is not going to be the one to like bring her around and be like hey you know what no this this is quality 
Oh my god, it was excruciating. And the sexless lesbians that were introduced to oh, halfway through did not. Lesbians. Do you remember there was a part where um she was like, this is skipping way ahead, but there's a part where like Alessia is like frightened and in the care of one of said lesbians. Uh and the the lesbian is like, Do you wanna like take a bath now and she's like uh-huh and she's like do you want me to stay here and t- and help you and she's like uh-huh and i was like <laughs> yeah, that old lesbian I was like so yeah. ready <laughs> so i just i just want to say something and i want to preface it by saying uh my expectations for this book were subterranean just like below like like third basement level like with the boiler and it wasn't as bad as I expected. I'm kind of with you. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't like it, but it was all right. No, it was. I. I was like, okay, this isn't as bad as I expected. And again, that is like a really low bar to cross. But like, mm-hmm. there were some things about it where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not like hating this right now. So I. I want to give E. L. James credit for that because Fifty Shades is something that like I simply cannot get through. But I got through this book in a single weekend, and I didn't have to like self-flagellate. Yet. Well, I, there was a little bit of self-flagellation, but I, I, I just I want to give her credit for it not being as bad as I expected. I, I, I feel the opposite, but I think that was because my expectation was that this would be non-boring. Mm. I thought this would mm. be like kind of bonkers erotica, <laughs> mm. maybe not like full Anne Rice Sleeping Beauty, but like I wanted it to be weird and entertaining and to have sections where I was like, ah, this is well. So I, I think this was I think this was E. L. James's answer to everyone being like, oh my god, like butt plugs and and Fifty Shades was so wild, and she was just like, all right, I'm gonna write a classic Cinderella I story. I miss the butt plug. <laughs> Bring back the butt plugs. Bring back the... Okay, again, spoiling the book for everyone. There is a scene where... uh, So Alessia is the maid for Maxim, and there's a room in the house that the previous maid was like... You'll never go in this room. Do not, do not clean this room. This, this room is off limits. And I was like, oh my god, that's gonna be a red room of pain. And spoiler alert, it's not. He opens it up at one point and he's like, it's a dark room for my photography. What did you perverts think it was? And it was like, it was such a head fake. And I feel like E.L. James was just playing us the whole time by being like, I'm going to make this as vanilla as fucking possible. And the result was a surprisingly unsexy book about sex. Yeah. Here's what I thought you were going to say was there's a part where they're like, you know, getting hot and heavy and he presses up against her butt with like his finger or his dick or something. And she gets nervous and he's like, no, no, don't worry. And then, but his thought is like, not yet. So like maybe in the inevitable sequel is when they'll get the butt plugs. Is it an inevitable sequel? Cause like, it hasn't been announced actually, but I, well, let's, Okay, let's get into the plot, and then we can say where the plot ends, and I'll say why I think there should be a sequel. But there's right, one more thing me. I want to say before we do that, which is that uh, Max Maxim Trevelyan's last name Trevelyan Trevelyan. Anyway, it's the name is Chris. It's Christian Gray's mother's maiden name. Ugh. Also, what does that mean? So the, this was just I I did some mild research into this and. Uh, she has said, like, oh, yeah, it's an Easter egg for fans, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, like, related or, like, what the connection there would be. But 
but I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> That's so pointless. You know. Okay, Easter so, egg for the true fans. For the true fans. Okay, so we've already established our main guys here are Maxim, who is a British noble of some sort, um, and Alessia, who's his maid, or his daily which they use throughout. And I do want to mention that all of us pointed out that it's wild that E.L. James is actually British, like actually was born in London, because this book desperately feels like it was written by an American who's like writing Sherlock fan fiction and wants to pepper in as many Britishisms as they can just to like, you know, for authenticity. It's really, it's really off-putting. They don't sound authentic at all. It I I was convinced she was American and then I looked it up and I was like, you fucking kidding me? We did exactly the same thing in the car the other day and our our light theory that we came up with is that she handed it in without all those extra Britishisms and her editor was like, are you kidding me? This is for an American audience. People don't have the internet yet. They don't know what British people are really like. Make this really British. Make this recognizable as British to the American heartland. So she was like, I fucking, okay, I guess. Although, if you'll recall, in Fifty Shades, they all sounded like weirdly British and they were using weird phrases and they were all supposed to be American. So maybe she's just like this. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. So Maxim, we're inter- He's like a, he's a playboy and he's, his careers are model slash DJ slash photographer slash Lord. Thanks. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> well, the, the Lord thing is new. Is fresh. Yeah. He was his- not raised. He, he was born to a noble family. He was the spare. His mm-hmm. older brother, Kit, was groomed to be the new lord um, after their father died. But Kit has tragically recently died in a motorcycle accident that was maybe a suicide, a thing that's hinted at twice in the book, but never actually delved into or mentioned in any amount of detail. No, or like um, why you would, why they would think that. Yes, um, but that means that Maxim is now in charge of all of the estates and has to stop his like crazy loafer lifestyle and uh, step up to be, you know, the type of person that the British aristocracy would respect. Poor thing. That's that is what we are told. Yes. But also there's a big part of this book where he just fucks off and disappears for like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to go have like romantic alone time with his daily paramour and it's very it's it's awfully confusing where i'm like oh so that whole beginning of the book where you made me read 100 pages about how you were like oh i can't believe i have all these new responsibilities and i was like so you didn't even have to set up an out of office message huh you just <laughs> you just took off yeah i'm i'm gonna trust el james's knowledge of the british peerage system on this one because like he is referred to as my lord or sir and or, or lord trevithick like, yeah which he, like he, people keep calling him lord and he doesn't want to be called lord yeah, but like his his title is Lord Trevithick, but he's the Earl of something, and then like he's a count or like whoever marries him will be a countess. And I'm like, but I, what, are all of these things the same? Like I'm a red blooded American. I don't understand the British peerage system, but I assume E. L. James does, and I just had to like let her take me on that ride. I treated it the way I do like fantasy names, where I just sort of mentally translated it all to like important. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, so we have so Maxim's brother Kit has recently died. Maxim, who is a playboy who sleeps with different women every night and always has a condom in his pocket for that reason, uh, has just slept with his sister-in-law Caroline, who is also his best friend and who at one point uh, chose to be with Kit over him, and he still is bitter about it. Um, but he's now fucked her twice since his sister, his brother's death, and he feels like kind of bad about it, but not bad enough to take a firm stance on whether or not he's going to stop. May I interject briefly? Um, because we are bitches get riches and a little obsessed with with money and all things money, I did kind of price out Maxim's lifestyle a little bit. So I'm going to drop these little nuggets throughout the podcast. But um, he he literally uses at least a condom a day, according to the book. Um, and so I calculated that um, a pack of 10 Trojan Magnums, because of course his penis is described as enormous, is $16.99 uh, for 10. And at approximately one per day, uh, he spends at least $624.14 on condoms annually. Now let me ask you a question. What if he had a membership to like Costco? Like surely he mm. could be acquiring condoms in bulk with his resources. He could Does be- London have Costco's? Mm. I think it's called Lord Costco's. Yield <laughs> <laughs> Costco. Yield Costco. Um, no, I think as evidenced by his other like financial decisions throughout the book, I don't think he's somebody who worries about buying in bulk. I think mm, he like grabs a bunch of condoms and like keeps a couple in the glove compartment, a couple in the the dresser drawer at like all of his various homes. Um, so I calculated at least six hundred and twenty. Um, but I, I mean, it, it could easily be more or less. So are wow. you saying it's more financially prudent to have unprotected sex? I am saying that under the Affordable Care Act, an IUD is free. Um, so, you know, if, if this was taking place in the United States, and actually I assume the British Isles have uh, slightly better health care than we do because literally everyone does. Um, if all of the women that he's having sex with are on a form of uh, free or subsidized birth control, it would be more financially responsible Um but the STDs, a- though, he is not clean. Ooh, yeah. No, as far as STDs go, um, $620 a year is way more than the various um, blood tests he would need to, to get to make sure that he's clean. So, <clears throat> All right. All right. Well, yeah, that's um, what he's up to. <laughs> so then we meet Alessia, who is his new maid or daily. <laughs> And she uh, is taking over for the old maid, Christina, and we got a glimpse of her in the prologue where we see that she is running from something um, and is desperate to get away from it with a plastic bag that she has, or desperate to get away. It's very unclear. I mentioned the plastic bag because up until I started reading this, I told everyone that we were reading E.L. James' weird new historical romance. Mm. <laughs> and then the first sentence is like, plastic bag. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> either E.L. James has made a huge mistake or I have. <laughs> I also thought this was a Downton Abbey era thing before I started reading it. And I also got to the word plastic and was like, oh, I think I am Boo Boo the Fool. I think I had seen it described as a Regency romance several times. Oh, for fuck's sake. Mm. Words have and meanings. Yeah. 
And I, so that was my assumption without reading any further. And I, to be clear, I didn't see her describing it that way. Like when it came out, I feel like I saw tweets and reviews that mentioned it. Um, so fucking whatever. It takes place in the present time. Um, and here we have Alessia and she's excited to clean Maximus' apartment because he has a piano and she uh, loves playing piano. But when she gets there, usually he's already gone for the day. But today he's home and <gasps> naked in his bed. <gasps> and she, she looks at him with her eyeballs and she is never punished for this, which is just <laughs> proof that, you know, women really get off easy when it comes to the whole like, there's so much reverse sexism in the world. So much. <laughs> she's thirsty. So she's like freaked out, but like goes about her business. And then he wakes up and gets dressed and like doesn't see her. And she's just like, bye, old maid. And she doesn't correct him or say anything. Um, and Maxim, um, at this point, I think like Caroline is calling him constantly and he's going to breakfast with his mother and sister who bear no nothing on the plot at all no yeah i have in my notes i have just filed this whole like huge chunks of the book as just under maximum goes to do lord business and i genuinely don't think we need to go into any more detail that like it's not important he just has to have anytime he needs to an excuse like come or go he has lord business and he has to go have a meeting with someone about his lord business Yes. So he also at some point finds out that Caroline might be pregnant, but then she's not, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, because so none of it matters. No, nothing matters. Yeah, because Brief is like, oh well. If, if she did have a baby by Kit, then that baby would be the heir, and then that baby would have to do the Lord business, and Maxim <laughs> would be free. Maxim would get off scot free. Maxim would be free to go back to DJing, which is <laughs> possibly my least. Favorite choice in a book filled with terrible wrong choices. But I, I, just, I just here's some of the music that DJ Maxim enjoys. First of all, all music. Second of all, <laughs> Korean house music. Second of all, Bangra music. Third of all, the soundtrack to the movie Arrival. <laughs> I just it was so oh great. my god. I just wrote a Why? note that that said I love all music is the I don't really eat spicy foods of music taste by which I mean like he has dumb taste in music. Yes, I was surprised he didn't say I love all music except rap and country. No, just right, all stop. Exactly. I love all music. Exactly. Anyway, so he's not doing that now. He's doing Lord business. Um, There are a few other sex scenes with rando girls in this at the beginning, including one that's mildly kinky, where he ties a woman with a silk scarf and she's into it. And she's wearing thigh high boots. And I just have to say, like, if that is your level of kink, like tied to the headboard, wearing thigh high boots and nothing else, like, oh, my God, this is this is vanilla sex. It's just filled with (laughs) vanilla sex. Yeah. Well, uh, then, then... Um, there's more stuff in the house. Another big detail is that Maxim has a piano for his music composing slash DJ career. She's very into the piano and like secretly tries to play it. Um, yes. Also, her she wears like big pink granny panties that Maxim can see. Um, like she's been over and he sees her panties and he's like real into these panties. We hear a fuck ton about these big pink panties. Because you did, you kind of skipped over the part where he actually sees her for the first time. I don't care. 
Um, so he, there's a <laughs> there's a morning where she comes in and he's there again, and um, this time he does see her face to face for the first time and is surprised because he's expecting the other. Uh, cleaner and he gets he acts kind of standoffish just because he's so shocked so she thinks that he hates her when really he's shocked by her beauty and how much he immediately wants to have sex with her and she starts like permeating his mind at all times he finds that he doesn't want to go out and pick up girls anymore um, he's just obsessed with her and these pink granny panties and he sees her she wears like a vinyl house coat while she's cleaning and i guess no pants not well, she had to take like her nylon. pants off because she well she it's a nylon house coat and she walked in the rain so her pants were all wet so she put them in the dryer so she was just wearing her like long blue house coat it comes down That's to like the right. and her giant oh, granny panties underneath hot like giant pink granny panties which is the least sexy thing i've ever heard next to the SpongeBob SquarePants pajama pants that she will wear later in the book. Yeah. Um, can I just briefly head off a reader concern because I, I can I feel like I can I can hear the listeners to this podcast in their minds asking, "Oh no, we've met the female lead. What if she wears makeup or isn't slender?" And I just want to let you know, don't fucking worry. She is slender as shit. And she does not wear makeup, despite the fact that she is immaculately beautiful. So just like if you are ready to just like emotionally tune out of Alicia's journey, don't worry. She is thin and conventionally attractive. Thank you. Yeah, don't don't um, worry. And she also has a perfect hourglass figure in at least C cups. Yes. Um, she also she doesn't wear makeup. She doesn't wear socks either. So her feet are wet. Also, if you were worried she's so small and tiny and childlike, what if perhaps she is a child? Don't worry, she's 23, young enough to be attractive, but old enough to be legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, That's and a fact, very marriageable later on, age. But I wanted to just tell you. In fact, the infantilization of Alessia is a really disturbingly common theme throughout the book. So Maxim um, lends her an umbrella and it's like, she's because it's pouring and she doesn't have one and she's just like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. And she is now excited to see him when he's there because she just wants to look at him. Um, but then he's gone for a little while. There's a point where he comes in while she's playing the piano and she's afraid that he'll fire her. But really, it's the most beautiful piano playing he's ever heard and she does it all from memory. There's a composition that he has written that he's left on the piano bench and she has read it and thinks that it's beautiful. There's one night where she comes in and he's just driven uh, overnight to get back to his apartment and has fallen asleep on the couch. And he grabs her when she walks by in his sleep and cuddles her. And uh, she's like startled, but also kind of likes it. Um, and I think that's and the day she where... kisses him. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the day where the the public transit is down because of snow. So he drives her back to her friend Magda's house. Yeah. Which by is the way, where... can we just? It's London. They live in London. The whole the whole um, underground is shut down. But he can drive no problem. There's not even a moment where like the car slides. It's just like fine. Well, it's because no. he, he owns a very expensive Range Rover. And I did not look up the price of the Range Rover, but I did look up the price of his F-Type Jaguar, which was $61,500. Um, I also <laughs> I also just want to add in really quick, have we mentioned that, like, her very important backstory? 
Not so yet. It's sort of being revealed okay. at this time. We yes. do okay. know, like, she's Albanian and English is not her first language. So she thinks sometimes phrases in Albanian. Sometimes she makes, like, cute little mistakes with her English and it's adorable. But the way that she's written as an English language learner character is really uneven and really strange. And it's mostly, offensive. Yeah. Offensive is probably yeah. better. Um, so she finds out that these men who have claimed to be from immigration have come to her friend Magda's house where she's staying looking for her. And Magda had sent them away. So now Alessia is very nervous. She goes to work the next day and uh, she and Maxim kiss. But then before they can go any further than kissing, um, someone pounds on the door of Maxim Maxim's flat and they also claim to be from immigration, which he immediately thinks is suspicious because there is no immigration department in the UK. It's called something different and they don't refer to themselves as immigration. Um, and he insists- And they also have Eastern European accents. Yes. And when he tells <laughs> them that they need a warrant, they like get very befuddled. <laughs> Swipe or no swiping. Yes. Well, because he's been doing Lord business, so he knows the law. Oh, and there is also something in here where Oliver, his, like, Lord associate, is like, and we need to get documentation for all your workers, of course. Everything has to be up on the level for, you know, tax reasons or whatever. But it's not on the level because she's undocumented. (gasps) And... Also, none of that is ever resolved in this book. Um, so she, Shh, it's fine. She hears them and she runs away because she doesn't want to get captured by them. And it starts to be implied, and we should have put a warning for this at the top of the podcast. I meant to and forgot. Um, we do talk. There's a little light discussion of sex trafficking. Um, and there is a scene later on where there's an attempt at rape. I do not imagine that we will go into any detail whatsoever upon that's further than the words that I just said, because that's about as detailed as the text gets. Yeah. So this is the point where she, uh, we start to, to discover that her plan to get into America, uh, not America, the UK did not go the way that she and her mother thought it would. And the men who were supposed to help her were actually sex traffickers, but lest you be concerned that, she has tragic sexual assault in her backstory that would keep her from sleeping with our protagonist. She managed to escape the sex traffickers. Well, cause Unscathed. she'd be more valuable if she was a virgin. Yes. And, but they have her passport and all of her documents and she's been hiding from them ever since. So Maxim sees that she has left the apartment and he freaks out and luckily has driven to where she lives before So he is able to drive over to Magda's house and catch her at the train station and they kiss again. And like, he declares that he wants to take care of her and they go to Magda's house and he, she tells him some of this information and Magda comes home and says like, well, they threatened my son. So I couldn't, I had to tell them where you were. I'm sorry. And they're like, no, we understand so Maxim says, all right, well, these men are very dangerous. So I'm going to have my best friend who runs a private security firm be your personal security, Magda and Magda's son. And meanwhile, Alessia, I'm going to take you to one of my many estates in the country where they won't be able to find you. By yeah. the way, the son, um, at some point, Maxim sees that there's a man's name written, like Mihao is written on Alessia's coat. And 
he becomes concerned that that's her boyfriend's name and she has a boyfriend and maybe she's already another man's property. And he's very (laughs) relieved that, oh no, it's just a 14 year old boy who's bigger than this child bride. And so she gets his hand-me-downs when he outgrows his SpongeBob pants and jacket. The number of times that Maxim worries that she's somehow unavailable and then like is immediately relieved is just like many. Like, he, he worries that the hand-me-down clothes from the 14-year-old Magda's son, um, like, he worries that, that that's her boyfriend. He worries, like, that she's too young, like, she's under the age of consent. And then she's he's like, oh, you're 23? Phew, which is gross. And then, like, later on, uh, there are various other plot points. But, like, over and over and over again, like, there are these fake uh like fake outs basically to them being together that are immediately resolved and it's just annoying and it just wastes space and as an editor this book was 80 pages too long it could have been 80 pages shorter if we cut out all those stupid like head fakes to her being unavailable to him and also all the times they were like and then i hooked the bluetooth up to the sonos speaker so we could listen to music and then i brushed my teeth and opened the door by twisting the doorknob and i hate that kind of writing because it's so wasteful and we all understand how doorknobs and sonos speakers work so just like fucking do it i think up up to this point in the narrative the the obstacle between the two of them being together because they're obviously like mutually attracted to each other is that he's kind of in his head, he's like, oh, well, it would be really wrong of me to make a move on this girl because she's my employee. And also because she seems kind of innocent. And those are two very valid um, um, obstacles that you could hang a a short romantic novel on. Um, But really quickly, they come up with solutions to those. He's like, no, it's fine. Uh, like you can just live with me and I don't have to pay you to do stuff anymore so you won't be my employee and you can also just live with me and I'll give you a bunch of nice stuff so you don't have to worry about having less money than I do so bam power power indifference solved Mm -hmm. Uh, and they spend a lot of the rest of the book kind of scrambling to find fresh obstacles which are then (laughs) immediately resolved yeah there's a (laughs) lot in this book that and I I always hesitate to criticize this because I understand for a very long time, I thought that this was sloppy writing, but it turns out it's actually a narrative choice that there are a lot of people who like it, which is if somebody would maybe say what they were thinking out loud once ever, the whole plot could be resolved very quickly. If at any point he would say out loud, you know, Alessia, I know you're my employee, but I have really strong feelings for you and I would like us to be together. And I mean that seriously and no strings attached. If you're not into it, that's fine. Or say like, hey, I'm actually a lord. I know that hasn't come up, um, but I think that it's important that you know if we're going to be in a relationship together. But instead of doing those things, he comes up with reasons why he shouldn't. And Again, like this is a thing that I hate in fiction. I hate this like weird miscommunication. If two adults would just talk to each other, everything would be resolved kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But I do recognize that there are people who eat it up like candy. So totally that I is possibly a taste thing, but I hate it. I hate it. And I wish <laughs> that they had just at any point said human sentences to each other about their intentions. 
Girl, I am with you. And this is a classic Cinderella narrative. And in every classic Cinderella narrative, they come from different worlds. And one of them is generally hiding their identity so that they can seem as a peer to the other. But like, usually it's the the poor one that's like pretending to be aristocratic so that they can be with the rich one. But in this case, it's flipped. Only he's Maximus hiding his aristocratic title from Alessia, but he's not able to hide his wealth like he she she is literally his cleaner like she has seen his fucking bajillion dollar flat in downtown london and his like country estate in like uh in cornwall and she has seen like all of his his wealth so like she knows he's of a different class than her or at least a different socioeconomic status so even though he's hiding his title it's still very clear that they come from different worlds and they are not peers. So the Cinderella narrative just falls apart right there. And as to why he conceals that. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no point to it. He's like, oh, I want her to like, love me for who I am. But it's just like, but she already knows you're a rich fuck. She can see all the money. Like the title is just icing on the fucking cake. Yeah, exactly. Point, he even brings up like, oh, like, you know, I was always taught to, like, be wary of gold diggers, but he even admits, like, nothing about her would ever make him think that she was that. So there's no point for him to keep keeping it from her, but then he continues to keep it from her. Well, I think yeah. he also, he's trying to keep it from her less because he's afraid she's a gold digger and more because he's afraid it will freak her out more than he's like, oh, she's already... She's already been through so much. Like, learning that I'm a lord would be, like, too, one step too far. Women are prone to hysteria. It's true. That's a good decision on his part. Right. Oh my God. Her <laughs> uterus is wandering all over the place in this book. <laughs> and it's wild to me, too, because, like, not... To be clear, like, I am not saying that people from, like, rural Albania are any more or less educated than anyone else. But here are four of us who live in America who have access to the internet and lots of television about the British aristocracy. And the four of us couldn't tell you, like, fucking what, how important his title was and what it meant. Like, I don't know why he's afraid that she would know that in so such a detailed have such a detailed knowledge of the ins and outs of the british peerage system that she would be like super freaked out by learning this like more so than just knowing that he's super rich yeah also speaking of education this book does it does such a fine tap dance where it goes out of its way to be like oh Alessia's very smart and she's educated and she learned english and she was going to be a teacher and she's a brilliant piano player but also she's desperately poor and like was sold sold into this arranged marriage and then sold into trafficking like they don't want her to be this like truly poor like truly um i guess what i'm saying is she doesn't necessarily seem like a typical um like i don't know um because i i don't mean to say that like only uneducated people are trafficked or like whatever but like there there's been steps made to make her in almost every way like the perfect like bride for this person except and I guess that's yeah, part of, like, she's... the Cinderella fantasy or whatever. Like, you don't necessarily want someone who's, like, also, I never learned English. And also, like, whatever. Also, maybe... Because he also keeps saying, like, oh, she's such a good pianist. She shouldn't be working as just a maid. Versus if she were someone whose skills, like, were cleaning and housekeeping, then then no. I don't know. 
No, I mean, like, she's not just a good piano player. Like, she's a piano playing genius. Like, it's it's put out there that she she has synesthesia, which comes up later. Oh, yeah. And uh, she's just, like, an un- like, she's a savant. She's just a, a, or a prodigy. Like, she, her piano playing, like, she could be world famous by her piano playing. Yeah, I was going to bring up the synthesis synesthesia. Um, just because like, like many things in this book, this book feels like there's a whole lot of stuff that E.L. James researched and poured into the book, but then there's no payoff to it. Like we find out that she has synesthesia and there's a couple mentions of it, but it has no bearing on anything. Right. I think she's just like, this seems cool. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number of things in the book that either Maxim or Alessia or both of them do that seems to just be like a... 13 year old's idea of what a classy sophisticated set of people would do it's like oh they'd probably i don't know classy sophisticated people probably play piano and they probably play classical music but also they're cool and they're hip and they're with it and they they like fellow kid music as well um like korean house or whatever Mm -hmm. um and probably they also music yeah, probably they also, um, they're photographers and models, which like, we didn't even talk about the fact that he's like, oh, yeah, I also model in front of the camera, whatever. It's not like, you know, it's not my main focus. I just do it from time to time. And I'm a DJ and I I, I own like really fast cars, but I don't like to drive them. Also, I'm very good at shooting, but I don't like to shoot real animals, only clay pigeons. It's just like, oh my I God, this is very... It's um, it's adolescent wish fulfillment, but it's kind of that adolescent wish fulfillment that instead of them actually doing cool things, they're doing what you think is cool by adult standards when you're a little kid. And it's really hard to get excited about anything that they supposedly do because it's immediately dropped because it's not important. All right, let's fly through the rest of the book here. Um, so Maxim takes Alessia to um, one of the estates in Cornwall. He doesn't take her to the main house, of course, because as we said, he hasn't yet told her that he's a lord. Uh, so he takes her to one of the vacation cottages. Um, and there's a lot of pining between the two of them. Alessia has a nightmare because she's afraid of the dark because of her tragic sex trafficking past. So he buys her like a nightlight in town and they eventually like fall into bed together and there's have a- sex and a million times yeah there's a lot of sex so many there's a lot times. of like cooking each other breakfast and having sex um a lot of like product placement for various things in the house and in the town uh a trip to the pub in town where we learned that maxim fucked the waitress there one time and she's still mad about him there's a pretty woman montage where he buys her all sorts of new clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, at this point, I think, find, realizes that he doesn't know anything about Albania. So he like just reads like the Wikipedia page while she's cooking. Ah! It's very Bella Swan Googling vampire. Ah! <laughs> yes, but not as fun. <laughs> also, can we talk about Maxim's tattoo really quick? Yes. Yeah, so so he has a tattoo on his arm, and like Alessia very quickly sees it, and she's like, "Oh my god, it's the double-headed eagle! That's like the symbol of Albania. It's on the Albanian flag." And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's like later on, it's revealed to be his family crest." And there's like a throwaway line somewhere in the book about uh, like um, Albania is a secular 
state and like how they threw out all the aristocrats like centuries ago. And I was really expecting that Maxim's family was like aristocrats who were exiled <gasps> from Albania. And oh. that's why they... That would have been such a good twist, right? I was, I was like, any second now, it's going to be revealed that like Maxim's family are exiled Albanian royalty, and that's why they had the two-headed eagle as their crest. And she completely dropped the ball. It just didn't go anywhere. It was just like a random coincidence that the two-headed eagle of Albania was his family crest. And I was so disappointed at the like she set herself up and then just completely like swing and a miss. So after many days of them fucking and eating food that sounded actually really good and frolicking along the English countryside, um, Maxim wakes up one morning to a call from his neighbor who has told him that someone has broken into his flat. So he calls Oliver to look into it and goes up to the big house to talk on FaceTime to Oliver so that he can see like what all of the destruction was inside the apartment. And in the meantime, while he's there, he hears from Danny, one of the lesbians who watches over this estate, that two unsavory Eastern European types had come looking for him the night before, but they sent him they, they sent them away. So then he freaks out because he's like, oh, my God, Alicia is alone in the house. And of course, they then break into the house that they are in. And uh, Alessia tries to run away from them, but they break down the door and they get her. But before they can take her away, Maxim shows up and beats them into submission and calls the cops to save her. Uh, And in the meantime, and I will, I know I keep saying we have to finish and we do have to finish, but I'm going to do one more aside here Mm -hmm. about um, the lesbians who are the caretakers of this property and how eternally frustrating it is that E.L. James is like, here are some queer characters, but they're like, you know, fuddy-duddy old lesbians who are presented as entirely sexless. Literally, there's a point where one of them is presented as femme and one of them is presented as butch. And Maxim the phrase, the wears words, the pants, is used. One of them wears the trousers in the relationship. Yes. And then are... I did a murder. Um, not that there's anything wrong with people presenting as femme or butch and people who present as femme being in a relationship with someone who presents as butch. But if you're a heterosexual writer writing these two older sexless lesbian tropes, like, please, please, please. Um, But anyway. I I don't know what you're complaining about, Kate, because one of them isn't murdered and the other one doesn't go crazy. So (laughs) I think we are well ahead of the game. Um. So uh, one of the the lesbians, Danny, um, helps Alessia because she's been beaten up and she's like wet herself and she's like gross and wants to take a bath. And while she's helping Alessia like get her clothes together and everything mentions that Maxim is lord of the estate and Alessia (laughs) and runs away. But the house is so big that she gets lost. Which is like the most relatable thing. Like, if you've ever been in, like, a rich person's home or whatever, uh, like, just, just, like, the being, like, why is this building so large? I don't know where the front door is. Like, I thought that was the funniest shit in the whole book. Yes. And the room she gets lost in is a room that's just lots of pictures of Maxims of the previous lords. (laughs) 
It's like really rubbing it in that like, oh, my accidental boyfriend is like a fucking lord. How dare you accuse this scene of being on the nose? So Maxim finds her and they like talk it out and he explains that like he was afraid to tell her and, you know, they declare their love for each other and a doctor comes and I don't know, they have sex a bunch more times and they decide to to go back to London (laughs) and come up with the weirdest, creepiest arrangement, which is that Alessia says like, Hey, like I'm really excited to be your girlfriend, but I want to work. And he says, well, you can't work yet because you have no papers. And she's like, no, like I can't just be your kept woman. Like, and first of all, like, I, I understand. I've said this before. I said it when we were reading Fifty Shades. I please sign me up to be someone's kept woman, please. <laughs> yeah, I would not resist. Like, like twist my arm. Like a plus, even a plus, if I am actually in love with them. But like, why do all these women turn this down? <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes it's making up for like millennia of like misogynist uh, oppression against your gender. Like, just just take this small gesture. <laughs> to, yeah, like, girl, you walk through like. She walked through, like, half of a fucking country while she's escaping sex traffickers. If some guy you want to fuck anyway just wants you to, like, hang out in your underwear at his place making your your home country's food, girl, that's a sexy deal. Take it. (laughs) Take it. You fucking earned it, you victim of sex trafficking and, like, horrible (laughs) things. But Alessia does not take it. She insists that she works and he says, oh, well, we'll find something better for you than cleaning once you get your papers. And she's like, no, 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 it has to be immediately. I know what we'll do. I'll clean your house and you'll pay me. But also I'll live there and be your girlfriend. And this won't be weird at all. And he's like, OK, that sounds perfectly normal and fine and acceptable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they go back uh, to London and uh, Alessia is all excited to like cook Maxim a meal um, so while Maxim is out visiting Caroline whose calls he's been ignoring for a week uh, Alessia goes to the grocery store and while there is confronted by her evil abusive fiance because we, dun, had, dun, 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 dun. we had previously learned that she fled Albania with her mother's help because her father had uh, promised her to this gangster type uh, in exchange for a loan, and he was abusive and terrible, so her mother helped her run away. Uh, His name now, is Anatoly. Yes. Which, if you think that I kept hearing Anatole every time they said Anatoly out loud, you would be <laughs> correct. Thus begins, like, the weirdest part of the book, where she's on, like, a road trip with this guy who she hates and E.L. James, e. L. James ke- keeps contorting herself uh, so that to make sure that she we're at maximum concern about Alessia's well-being and like something terrible could happen to her at any moment but also like nothing comes of it and he like buys her a panini and he does choke her one time but like then they have like nice conversations with each other and I was so confused yeah. about like what on earth is this building to and it did not build to anything it was just bizarre it was was just bizarre it was the worst road trip ever and sorry go ahead 
it's just that like we're we're told that this guy is like terrible and abusive and beat her and there are times when he's terrible and abusive and beats her on this trip but at the same time like he's acting like she like went on vacation or like he doesn't he does not seem to be acting in an appropriate, I mean, not appropriate, but in a, a characteristically appropriate manner to the fact that she literally ran away from him to another country in secret. He keeps yeah, that, like that part, that part was just so confusing because like she li- like her and her mother literally like went to desperate measures to get her out of Albania so she wouldn't have to marry this guy in this arranged marriage that her father made for basically a loan, a monetary loan. Um, which like, sorry, going back to like bitches get riches, like standard lore, like, um, (laughs) you should not put up more collateral than you can like afford to lose. Um, so just, (laughs) yeah. And your hot daughter is very valuable. Your hot 23 year old virgin daughter who is a virtuoso pianist and also who, uh, uh, is, is real, real instinctively good at sex. Mm hmm. You gotta hold on to that. That's that's a valuable asset. You yeah, can sell her, that to all sorts of people. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Her dad made a bad deal there. Bad deal. Like, like he, he. You're right. He he. The whole road trip back to Albania. He like kidnaps her, takes her back to Albania. But the whole road trip, he's like, I don't understand why you're being so difficult. And she like says the words, I do not want to marry you multiple times. And she's like, Listen, I risked sex traffickers to get away from you. Like I like w- lived and worked in abject poverty to get away from you and he's like but i don't understand and she's like dude what the fuck uh and it's 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 ridiculous the whole time and uh meanwhile like i kind of imagine one of those indiana jones maps where like you see the plane yeah you see like so max like as soon as he realizes she's gone she like left a note where she's like oh i've gone to be with my betrothed and like he knows this is code because she and him have like discussed at length that uh, like her like fleeing an arranged marriage situation and he at first when she like this was during their like sex weekend at the it like little like house in cornwall um the hideaway the hide the hideout yeah and like he was like oh my god i have a rival and she goes you have no rivals and then they bone um for days <laughs> literally days but so he understands completely what this note she leaves means because he understands that like she was fleeing this guy so like if she leaves a note that says bye i'm gonna go be with anatoly now uh he knows that she's being like please follow me and rescue me because i've been kidnapped so you see the indiana jones map of her and anatoly like taking a road trip through europe to albania and him and his like uh, ex-military security company owning a friend like taking a plane to Albania and like which one's gonna get there first <laughs> yeah it's just like the whole thing is just fucking bizarre there's a couple points where she like can escape but doesn't escape for various reasons um and yeah. meanwhile like Maxim and his security buddy uh first land and there's fucking maxim as they're going on this trip to rescue his poor kidnapped by an abuser girlfriend he's fucking updating instagram (laughs) (laughs) i love that (laughs) he mentioned in the narrative several times that he's like posting pictures online and updating his instagram stories and i'm just like what the fuck (laughs) what a 
detail to choose to use. Um, but well, he- his DJing audience wants to know what's happened with his kidnapped Albanian daily. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, they make it to Albania and they make it to the town where she lives and they're put up in this hotel and they decide they drive out to her house and her father isn't home, but her mother is. And he says to her mother, because he had previously gotten an engagement ring, because he was planning on proposing to her before this happened. Because, oh, by you, the way, he, because that would resolve her um, citizenship issues. Yes. Also, he doesn't get an engagement ring. He goes to, like, the family vault, to the family yes. jewels, and, like, picks out... To like, the vault! To the vault! <laughs> he, like, picks out, like, one of the family heirloom rings that he's just like, this'll do. So he, he has this ring and he goes to her mother like, hey, like, my name is Maxim. I know your daughter in London. I want to marry her. I want to ask your, your husband's permission to marry her. And the mother, like, basically implies, like, you have to come back when her father's here. This conversation never happened. So they and mentions that Alessia is coming, will be back at 8 p.m. that night. So at 740... <laughs> he he returns and her father is real mad that like he's there and he wants to marry her and then anatoly and alessia show up and for reasons that are not clear to me and don't seem to make any sense within the narrative and in fact cause more problems alessia says i can't marry anatoly i have to marry this man you've never met before because i'm pregnant and he's the father which is like yep. a total lie because the condom usage usage in this book is actually like I want to compliment E.L. James on this like there is the a condom uh, placement scene like in every sex scene like they make it very clear that he is wrapping that shit up. Which I do like. What I don't like is how many times a character goes through a trash can and describes finding condoms there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. More than three times to two different characters. At one point, like she's like, "Don't worry, abusive Albanian fiance. I'm, I'm, I'm not fucking this guy." And he's like, "Bullshit!" And he brings in the trash can with condoms in it, and he's like, "Then what are these?" And it's like, "Why is everyone? Why you want to look at that shit?" It's, yeah. Oh, it's, it's ooky. Yeah. Um, a lot is made, by the way, in this book of how, like, Albania is so backwards and, like, patriarchal, unlike England. But, like, he's also literally a lord who has all these, like, very possessive thoughts about Alessia, but just, like, dialed down one notch to, like, he is the good guy compared to her dad who, like, sold her. Yeah, oh, I really we want- know he's the good guy because he would fuck her on her period. It's <laughs> yeah. true. It's true. I, I actually I, I do want to compliment Maxim about being like very sex positive with Alessia. Like there's like one line where he's like, oh, breaking in a virgin. And but like other than that, he's actually like very good about her consent and being like, hey, if there's anything we do that you don't want to do, like just say so and we'll stop. Like I really appreciated that. Um, but at the same time, like, he can't keep his fucking hands off her, and she's his employee, and there's a huge power dynamic with their different, like, social classes and everything. So, like, he gets partial credit, maybe, like, a C plus, but that's about it. Yeah, he keeps making these internal resolutions where he's like, oh, I definitely can't make a move on this girl because, like, she's so, she's so traumatized and vulnerable, but, oh, let me just, I'm just gonna sneak in a quick kiss there, quick little, and then, and then we'll be set. Oh! My dick fell in her. Like, oops, <laughs> oops, I started rubbing my nose against her clitoris through her pajama pants. Yes, um, that was wild. 
<laughs> okay, we're so close to the end, though. We're so, so close. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. There's no, there's no meaning behind, like, there's no reason that I can come up with with why this lie needs to persist. But she says it, and Anatoly is like, oh, like, I'm not marrying your whore daughter, and leaves after he and Maxim get into, like, a literal fist fight. And also her father gets into a fist fight. It's, there's a lot of, like, fighting of men over Alessia for a little while. Oh, and Wait, have you guys so ever at seen? At some point, at some point on their road trip, Alessia took all the bullets out of Anatoly's gun, which saves them down the line. Yeah. Which, like, why not just throw the gun away? But, uh, no, have you guys ever seen Crazy Stupid Love? No. No. Uh, Well, there's, there's, like, the end scene of this where, like, Anatoly and Alessia's parents and Maxim and his translator are all, like, standing there arguing with each other. Like, that scene is in the movie, except it's played Uh for laughs instead. But, like, I, I just love the, like, misunderstanding, like, needing a translator and, you know, we're all fighting over this woman while she's right there lying about being pregnant thing. It's just, it's a beautiful moment. <laughs> so Anatoly leaves and her father is, like, still, like, at this point she doesn't say, like, hey, that was just a lie to make that weird abusive man leave. Um, she persists with this this fake pregnancy um, and her father orders Maxim to marry Alessia and I I couldn't tell if this was like a wink wink nudge nudge moment where it was a way for her father to save face because he knew that Maxim was already going to marry her or if it was all it was very confusing I I, well, I don't think clear. the dad did know because only the mom knew no because he had already come in and asked for permission at that point because they had he had been there for a couple minutes oh, before yeah. they yeah. got there maybe so he, was, I don't know maybe he just didn't think confusing. he was serious about it I don't know but it was a serious. Oh, yeah. It was there was a shotgun involved. Like it's a shotgun yeah. wedding. He like yeah. points a shotgun at at Maxim and is like, "You will marry my daughter," and like that's that's just the moment where Maxim's like all smug and grinny, and then he goes down on one knee with his like heirloom ring and is like, "Will and you be it, my countess?" It might have been. It might have been the performance in the audiobook as well that it was. It was presented as like a very like. Oh, here is a solution for all of us that we can all come out like with what we want. But so when he says countess, like the father is like, what do you mean by countess? And he explains like, oh, I'm a lord and whatever. And they all all the men drink shots because of how happy they are that this has all worked out for everyone. Um, But the women aren't allowed to. And then they go to bed in separate rooms, but she sneaks into his room during the night and they have sex and then that's like literally the end of the book. Yeah, he he thinks about like oh, and he thinks about how they have to get married now, and how he's gonna have to break to his mom, but he's happy. And so that's why I think this is setting up for a sequel. Because how's she gonna resist the urge to write this like lordly wedding? Are you kidding? Mm. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, but I think this didn't sell very well. Yeah, wait, not really? compared to Fifty Shades. I mean. It, Certainly, certainly, it is a legit bestseller, and certainly sold better than a, a lot of books. But it wasn't the Fifty Shades level. Color me shocked. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure she could still sell a sequel, though. Yeah, yeah and I would, if there is a sequel, because th- that's the thing that I kept going back and forth with is there are so many weird, dangling plot bits and like, yeah, like with Kit and mm-hmm. character explorations and stuff that just kind of like trail off that. If this was, like, if I knew, like, oh, this is part of a romance novel series, like, I know that that is a legit trope where, because there's more books about that center on different characters, sometimes it's like, oh, like, here's, like, a half-hearted plot about this person that just kind of trails off into the ether, but is then picked up in a later book. 
So it's hard to judge how many of these weird trailing plots are sloppy writing and how many of them are vague setup for future development mm. in a later book. Um, there's one one thing I would love to read, just a whole book about um, how Alessia came to start shaving her pubic hair. <laughs> because I think we got forgot to mention that. My least favorite detail of this. She is a traumatized virgin who, when it comes... And who I don't think had necessarily been expecting to have sex that day when they had it. But, like, the first time he takes those panties off, he's like, nice, shaved. Like, what? Why? Yeah, she masturbates in the shower, like, a couple times before boning with Maxim. And, like, I actually appreciated that because I was like, cool, a virgin who, like, has a sex, like, a, a healthy understanding of her own, like, what turns her on and, like, knows how to press that button. But, like, mm-hmm. the fact, like, where did she learn to shave and where did she learn that this is, like, a thing that, like, she should do? And I, I don't know. It was really fucking weird. Especially given how, how like, sexually repressive the Albanian culture was written as being. I did some light research into Albania. I did find, like, honestly, some Guardian stories and stuff that are... I, I feel like E.L. James is just like, yeah, I'll, I'll rip all these details from this story. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I would love to read a review by an actual Albanian woman. And, like, not, like, a, an Albanian woman who, like, lives in the capital, but also, like, a rural Albanian woman. Because I feel like that would we would get a lot of insights into just how inaccurate this is about Albanian culture and maybe how offensive the translations are. There's, and there's an interesting thing that um, we didn't mention because so much happened in this book and we, you know, need to fill a podcast in a decent amount of time is that uh, Alessia explains that her grandmother was a missionary. um, Oh my God. Yes. From um, Poland. From the UK. The UK. And she like fell in love and married her grandfather and like she was very progressive and very like different than regular Albanian women because she came from you know at the time Albania was under communist rule and it was very restrictive and she came from a less restrictive environment but like it just feels very weird to me that this like you know supposedly cosmopolitan woman of the world who has come into this more restrictive country let her daughter marry a man who like treats her like property. Yeah. And yeah, like it just felt very weird that despite the fact that her grandmother was this like, Oh, I married for love and it was unheard of at the time, but I did it. And I was from the UK and I was different and I, you know, knew my rights and was more whatever. And then like, she's like, Oh, and then my daughter married a man who like won't let her talk to men. And, like it just seemed and who she doesn't love like i think there's a point where alessia mentions that her parents marriage wasn't a love match then then why if her grandma i don't know it all just seemed very weird to me but but whatever this everything whole book in the book felt uh, other than the the two of them fucking any scene that wasn't that felt really ancillary where el james is like i can't just have a story where two people have sex with each other I got to make sure they have traits or whatever. <laughs> and and so they're, they're, she's just like, all right, you you play the piano and you see colors when you do it. And you 
you're you're a damn DJ. Deal with it. And like <laughs> you you have a, a brother, and the brother was uh, a lord. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> like they just, like a Mad Lib situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Mad. But like, despite all of that, like there's not enough sex in this book, and it is not titillating enough. Like I was I was just like I was like ready. I was like okay, I'm gonna get my vibrator out while I'm reading this. Like, <laughs> is, is this gonna like get me wet? And then I was just like checking my watch. Like, mm-hmm. okay. They're having missionary position sex again. I did write in my notes, and I quote: "The sex scenes in this books uh, in this book is about as titillating as a wooden carving of an owl designed to scare rodents out of an herb garden." <laughs> I got wetter watching that old video of someone throwing a shoe at George W. Bush, <laughs> and I stand by that. I mean, you know what? That's a perfectly valid kink, though. Um, <laughs> no kink. Speaking of, here. should we move? Should we move on to our dramatic ratings and just give you a, just a direct, unfiltered Ooh, yeah. dose of what this book is? Yes, yes. let's yes, do please. that. Let's. Okay, so our first dramatic rating is from pretty early on, just to give you a little bit of slutty Maxim before he settles down with Alessia. And I will portray the role of Maxim, and Kate will be Caroline, his sister-in-law, who he did have sex with that one time, though. Uh, And this starts with a little chunk in italics that is like a daydream of um, Maxim's. So I am reading italics for you. Alessia stands in the doorway, a vision in blue. Slowly, she removes her scarf and lets her plate swing free like a hair plate. Or is it plait? How do you say when it's a braid? Plait? Plait. Okay. Slowly, she removes her scarf and lets her plait swing free. Shake your hair out for me. She smiles. Come in. Lie with me. I want you. But she turns and she's in my drawing room, polishing the piano, studying my score. She's wearing nothing but pink panties. I reach over to touch her, but she disappears. She's standing in the hall, eyes wide, clutching a broom, naked. She has long legs. I want them wrapped around my waist. I made you some coffee. I groan, reluctant to wake. A large part of my anatomy is also enjoying my dream. Fortunately, I'm on my front, so my erection is pressing against the mattress, hidden from my sister-in-law. You have no food. Shall we go out for breakfast, or shall I have Blake bring us something? I groan again, which is my way of saying fuck off and leave me alone. But Caroline is persistent. I met your new daily. She's very young. What happened to Christina? Shit, Alessia is here. I roll over to find Caroline sitting on the side of the bed. Do you want me to get back in? She asks with a coy smile, her head nodding toward the pillow. No, I answer, gazing at her lovely but disheveled state. You made coffee dressed like that? Yes. Why, does my body offend you? Or are you pissed off I'm wearing one of your shirts? I have the grace to laugh, and I reach out... And squeeze her hand. Your body would never offend anyone, Caro. You know that. But Alessia will get the wrong idea. Fuck, why do I care? Caroline twists her mouth in an ironic smile. But you don't want it. Is this because you've met someone? Caro, please, let's not go over that again. We can't. Besides, you said you were on. Surfing the Crimson Tide has never been an issue for you. Good good God, when did I tell you that? Years ago. Well, I apologize for oversharing. 
women. They fucking remember everything. <laughs> and why the hell did you have to remind me? Her face loses all semblance of humor as her sorrow resurfaces. She stares, she stares unseeing at the windows, and her voice is soft and raw and anguish. We tried for two years for a child. Two whole years. It's what we both wanted. And now he's gone, and I've lost everything. I have nothing. She puts her head in her hands and begins to weep. Fuck, I'm an idiot. So true, Maxim. You are. <laughs> yeah, another thing we forgot to mention that didn't really go anywhere is that when reading Kit's will, uh, Maxim discovers that he did not, he left everything to Maxim and did not leave anything to Caroline. Oh, Which, yeah. What a dick. Which also doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And it also doesn't mesh at all with what we're told about Kit, that he's like very thorough and responsible. Yeah. Like, I, I changed my will and I'm sure shit, not an Earl or whatever. <laughs> It's also like Caroline is described as independently wealthy anyway, so it's not like she needs the money, but it does it it does feel like it should be some kind of fu to Caroline, and then it just isn't. Yeah, so I do wonder if a sequel is going to be about like, did Kid actually kill himself, and did Caroline do something? Like, but none of that here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's not distract from the the deverging of Alessia. Oof. Speaking of which. Yeah. Um, do you want to read the the bit about uh, the the hideout? Yes. Okay. Um, I I will read as Maxim, and I will be Elysium. This is it, he says, gesturing at their surroundings. Welcome to the hideout. The hideout. It's the name of this house. On the other side of the kitchen is the main living area with a white dining table that seats 12 people and two large dove-colored sofas that stand in front of a sleek steel fireplace. It looks bigger than from outside, Alessia says, intimidated by the scale and elegance of the house. Deceptive, I know. Who cleans this place? It must take hours. And this house, it belongs to you? Yes, it's a holiday home that we rent to the public. It's late and you must be exhausted. But would you like something to eat or drink before bed? Alessia hasn't moved from her spot on the hallway. He owns this too? He must be a very successful composer. She nods at his offer. Do you mean yes, he asks with a grin. She smiles. Wine, beer, something stronger? He asks, and she steps closer. Where she's from, women generally don't drink alcohol, though she sneaked a Rocky or two, but only in the last couple of years on New Year's Eve. Her father doesn't approve of her drinking. Her father doesn't approve of many things. Her grandmother had given her wine, but Alessia had not cared for it. Beer, she says, because she's only ever seen men drink it, and to spite her father. Good choice, Maxim grins, and from the fridge he removes two brown bottles. Pale ale okay? She doesn't know what that means, so she nods. Glass? He asks as he pops off both tops. Yes, please. From another cupboard he takes out a tall glass and deftly pours one of the bottles into it. Cheers, he says as he hands Alessia her drink. He clinks her glass with her, his beer bottle and takes a swig, his lips circling the bottle's neck. He closes his eyes, savoring the taste, and for some reason she has to look away. He's leaps. Gejoir, she whispers. He raises his eyebrows, surprised to hear her speaking her native tongue. It's a toast, mainly made by men, but he doesn't know that. She takes a sip, and the chilled amber liquid runs down her throat. 
Mmm. She closes her eyes in appreciation and takes another longer draft. Are you hungry? His voice is husky. No. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, he, anytime Alessia in this book does anything with like food around her mouth, he's just like, oh, my erection has just come to life and is destroying Tokyo like Godzilla now. <laughs> His groin tightens. Yes. A lot of tight groins. Another thing, I just want to throw in real quick. It didn't really happen in this one, but another thing that happens so often in the narrative is Maxim's internal monologue is so full of the dumbest wordplay. Like, you know, Alessia dropped a glass and she screamed, but I wish she was screaming for other reasons. Parentheses my dick. Like, just <laughs> anything that could somehow be related into something sexual, that's how he thinks of it. But a lot of times it's such a stretch that it's just like, he is a real horny weirdo. Yeah, and he's constantly, like, he'll have a horny thought, and then he'll always say, fuck. And then he'll have, like, a little internal monologue about what a bad person he is because he he thought about a sex, a horny sex thought. And also sometimes it turns into fuck a duck, which I'm like, you are an adult man who I assume was educated at, like, the finest schools. Do you Although really he did think get kicked out fuck of one a of duck? Um, but yes. Anyway, speaking of horny thought, I guess we can move on to the last dramatic reading. We flow together. My hands cocoon her head as I move, slowly savoring every delectable inch of her. She is soft and strong and beautiful beneath me. I kiss her, pouring my heart and soul into her mouth. Oh, it's never felt like this. Each stroke is bringing me closer to her. Her legs hold me in place and her hands run over my back, her nails etching her passion onto my skin. I leap up and I lean up and study her dazed face. Her eyes are wide and her pupils the darkest, most carnal espresso. <laughs> I want to see her, all of her. I stop and press my forehead against hers. I need to see you. I ease out of her and roll us over so that she's on top of me. She's breathless and unsure. With my arm under her behind, I slide up her body so her legs are on either side of my hips and I sit up so she's astride me, her arms on my shoulders. I clasp her face and kiss her, moving my hand down to caress her breast. I deliberately tease her nipple between my thumb and forefinger as lips skim from her mouth along her jaw to her throat. Uh, she tips her head back and lets out a husky moan of pure pleasure. My erection throbs in response. Yes. Let's try this, I murmur against the fragrant skin of her shoulder. I wrap my arm around her waist and lift her, my eyes on hers as I lower her slowly onto me. Fuck. She's tight and wet and exquisite. Her mouth drops open as she gasps, her, large, her eyes large with wand. She breathes, and my lips seize hers, my fingers in her hair as I claim her mouth again. She's panting and gripping my shoulders when I pull back. Okay? I ask. Uh, she gives me a frantic shake of her head. Yes. She breathes, and it takes me a moment to realize she's reverted to the Albanian form of yes. I take her hands and lean back until I'm lying on the bed, staring at the woman astride me. The woman I love. <laughs> God. Yeah. Being gay full time is seeming like a better idea every every moment. 
Also, we at some point, Alessia mentions that in Albania, you shake your head side to side for yes and up and down for no, which seems like it could have created more misunderstandings, but it never really does. All right, so we'll move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest books to read instead of or in addition to The Mister. Um, we'll have a full list available at worstbestsellers.com, including ones we didn't have a chance to talk about. Uh, my top recommendation is just fan fiction. You could... We've said it before. We'll say it again. You can just cut straight to whatever trope or sexy bit that you want and um, and just have that. Just have it. Yeah. My recommendation is just a fan edit of Love Actually. I'm sure someone has made it. Where it's just the part where Colin Firth acquires one Portuguese woman, please. Oh, my God. It is that. <laughs> yeah. It's just that. <laughs> I, as I mentioned before, would recommend, uh, it's been a while since I recommended a Dave Malloy musical, but here we are with Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812, a very excellent cast recording where there's a character named Anatole who somehow is a slightly better person than Anatoly, somehow. Somehow. <laughs> um, and also the music of Mary Beechner, um, who is a local muse- uh, musician to me here in the Boston area, who does have synesthesia and does incorporate it into her music. And it's pretty cool. All right. I second that. I, I am aware of her work and it's great. Uh, all right. Um, and what's everyone's candy pairing for this fine book? Um, I recommended anything vanilla flavored, just like the sex in this book. Oh, nice. Mine is just despair. Because despair, (laughs) which is what I felt Mm. at the end of this book when I had pushed it up to 2x audio and could not push it up any higher because the app didn't go any higher. I think my candy pairing is flavored condoms because, (laughs) uh, like, it's something that, like, a 14-year-old thinks is, like, really with the height of eroticism when actually it's just gross. Um, my candy pairing is uh, Activia yogurt for poops. Because <laughs> this book is poop. All right, now we will play the Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Kitty and Peggy can choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. All right. If The Rock was in this book, he would be at the service center uh, the night that Alessia and the others escaped from the sex traffickers. He would help save all the women, and he would put the sex traffickers in jail. And he'd also help them all the women get set up with jobs in the UK. So Alessia would never have to work for Maxim, and this book would never happen. Mm, nice. Mm. If Wolverine were in this book, you know, sometimes Wolverine is just prone to a manful solo motorcycle ride, but uh, I think he would be out and he would happen to see Kit when he was on his tragic motorcycle ride, and he would save Kit from his death so um, Maxim wouldn't inherit this Lord title, and he could just go about his uh, DJ slash model slash you know, made fucking lifestyle without having to worry about all that Lord business because Kit could keep doing it. We'll have to be unanimous here, but mm-hmm. my vote personally is, I, I think I got to go with uh, with Snicked. I think uh, I can see Wolverine saving someone on the back of a motorcycle. It, it would be an exciting uh, action sequence. Ooh. Oh man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I got to go with The Rock, not only because I got to go with The Rock for everything, but I just, I feel like 
all of those sex trafficked women deserve to be saved. And I feel like The Rock is totally someone who would save people from sex trafficking. Well, we're all winners then. <laughs> we are all winners. Indeed. Uh, one last thing I do want to throw in about the other women who are sex trafficked is the youngest one is named Blairiana, spelled B-L-E-R-I-A-N-A. And if any of you follow Blair Braverman on social media, the, like, um, dog sled musher, whenever she writes dialogue from her dog's point of view, they call her Blair, B-L-E-R. And that was what I kept thinking of whenever she, like, wondered what Blairiana was up to. Oh, no. Uh... But that's not the moral of the story, though. Um, what do we think the moral of the story is? I think the moral of the story is that I am very tired of straight people. Fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think the moral of the story is that rich men who own pianos are composers until proven otherwise. <laughs> uh, I think the moral of the story is that if your story has no tension, it's actually not a story. It's just a string of squiggles that you made with your keyboard. Uh, my moral is ban Albanian men and also British men and also all men. Mm. Ban men. Ban men. Yeah. Now it is time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will share his opinions about the book. Yeah, Duarte, I think you're right. Um... This book probably could have used a heroic animal the way that, for example, Our Lady Nora Roberts often will have. But on the other hand, I really think it's better off that, you know, no cats had to deal with any of this. Yeah, you don't want to get any cats involved Mm. in this nonsense. Duarte is the the Ebert of his time, (laughs) really just has his finger on the pulse of pop culture. (laughs) I'm just so honored to be in Duarte's presence right now. Mm -hmm. He's he's Mm -hmm. tolerating it. As, as he does. <laughs> but, um, all right. Well, Darte, thank you for those important ideas. And now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? I didn't like this book. Mm. <laughs> 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 it was. I think my only closing thought is Zot. <laughs> What? Like, what more can be said? Um, I guess I do want to just throw in the obligatory where I'm, of course, not making light of victims of human trafficking, which sometimes I just feel need to outright say things like that just in case um, people want to come interpret, like, willfully misinterpret us. Like, no, of course, it's terrible. Um, but this book also is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the what we're making fun of here is the author's portrayal of human trafficking and the author's portrayal of an ESL character. Um, I have family members from the same part of Europe uh, that Alessia is from, and I was, you know, trying not to compare her dialogue to my ESL relative's uh, way of speaking, and it was very difficult because the... It just wasn't authentic in the book. Yeah, it's clearly just sort of this clunky trapping for, like, the Cinderella story she wanted to tell, and it's gross. And possibly just her way of diffusing the criticism that she's gotten for her previous book, which, cool, that's a cool way to use real people's stories to, like, make yourself look a little bit less objectionable. (laughs) Yep. Uh, God bless it. All right. 
Well, um, if you would like to come uh, talk to us, share some Albanian recipes or cool um, DJ remixes with us, uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. We're on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S because that's how you spell it in Albanian. And we do have a Goodreads group that is best access from going to uh, worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the Goodreads link. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and, uh, you know, wherever else you can find podcasts. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it moves us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, If you don't rate and review us, then I didn't think of a joke for this part yet, but something (laughs) bad will happen probably. (laughs) We'll make you listen to Maxim's DJ remix. There you go. No! No! Uh, you can also find us at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like make the podcast better, pay for our hosting, pay our editor, uh, and all sorts of cool stuff like that. You too pay, get- pay our dailies <laughs> to come clean for us. You too will get perks from it, um, from things like a postcard in the mail to uh, a monthly newsletter that we put together. Uh, so check it out. We also have merch available by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. Uh, and you can get all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body. All right. How about if we want to find out more about Bitches Get Riches, where can we do that? So you can you can visit us to read our blog and listen to our podcast at bitchesgetriches.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash bitchesgetrich, the E-S. Uh, we're... Uh, sold into an arranged marriage and sex trafficked, respectively. I know. <laughs> um, I know. It's terrible. You can follow us on Tumblr, uh, bitchesgetriches.tumblr.com. Um, and we have merch for you to buy uh, at etsy.com slash shop slash bitchesgetriches. Or you can uh, sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash bitchesgetriches. Um, again, we teach financial literacy uh, and feminism in the intersection thereof and we would love to hear from you all um, and your thoughts on this billionaire playboy romance yeah if you guys are all about that whole band men thing please come to our website we have a lot of specifics yes specific ways to overthrow men (laughs) Uh, yeah I really do recommend them they're a great um, blog and more recently a great podcast Uh, thank you all right uh, so thank you, thank you again so much for joining us, you lovely bitches. And sorry you had of to course. read this, but uh, thank you for doing it. I did. I chose to not take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, we'll be back uh, with our annual best and worst of 2019. Wait, is like that next, or is the um, the? All queer... oh, right, the next one we're recording is that. Um, soon we'll have our best source of 2019, but next is... the um, Me and uh, Ren will be taking a dive, a queer look at the book Instinct, which we read with the gentleman from I Don't Even Own a Television earlier this year. Woo! Woohoo! I'm looking yeah. forward to AKA that. AKA the book that inspired the Alan Cumming TV show. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Um, Okay, so yeah, so that's what we're doing. And um, thank you again for joining us. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you all on the internet. Bye. 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 Bye.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>